Welcome everyone to episode 61 of the Racing Line podcast. I'm joined tonight by Jess Joey. Mate, it seems to be a recurring thing that it's just me and you on the pod these days. How are you? Good, mate. Good. And then there was two. And then there was two. Hopefully we get our uh, our, our third member back soon. Uh, you've, you missed, mate. You missed. But um, tonight we will days. be... Yeah, I know. He went and had a kid. Who would have thought he would have to prioritise the, the child over over the podcast, but, um, yeah. Over not, lucrative business yeah, venture. hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, well, tonight we'll be the, we'll be previewing the Adelaide 500, uh, supercars event that's coming up this weekend, which will be the, the final one of the season, as well as the final gen two event, um, ever before we introduce gen three and a couple of other topics that, we would like to discuss. Joe, do you want to get us started, mate? Yeah, mate, we'll do. So pretty much you hit the nail on the head. Um, the Adelaide, the Valo Adelaide 500 is back. It's back and after what, two, a two-year hiatus and a farewell to the event and a, a very interesting um, pol- political campaign by the, the Labor government in South Australia we have probably the best event of the year other than Bathurst, you know, back where it belongs on the supercars mm-hmm. event. It was, it was a really um, sad and telling day when, when it sort of got pulled a couple of years ago and um, for it to be back is, is fantastic news. But, but then, and, but now the weekend is finally upon us. Um, what makes it even more uh, special, I suppose, is the fact that, it is the season ending race, not the season opening race, which then also gives it the chance to be the farewell to what we know now as the, you know, the Gen 2 supercar era. So we'll be farewelling the um, Holden Commodore supercar, uh, which seems to have, you know, had sort of final farewells of a kind for the last couple of years. So we have, we've farewelled it from Bathurst. We've farewelled it from New Zealand. Now we are farewelling it from supercar racing. And um, I mean, it's gonna, I think it's going to be a real special weekend because, as well, the two team, the two better, you know, the best teams on the grid that are running the Commodores do particularly well on the streets of Adelaide. So I think that's going to give us, you know, a spicy weekend to digest when you know when it's all said and done. They'll both be running um, tribute liveries, Walkinshaw and Triple Eight, which I, I'm really interested to seeing how they look. And I'm just interested to see how this, this you know, final weekend sort of leaves the chairmanship and uh, sends off what I would I would deem to be a successful Gen Two era. But it's definitely left a lot of learning points that I think we'll discuss as well for the coming Gen Three generation. I'm looking forward to not seeing a stupid looking Mustang on the grid and, a, and an actual life, like a proper sized Mustang. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of not fell out of it, but I just thought that car looks ridiculous. It's not, you know, back in the day, like they used to say, what was it? Win on Sunday, sell on Monday or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was the big thing for me growing up with supercars. It was the cars you saw on the road. And then this Mustang, comes in and you're like, what the hell is this? Especially after the Falcons. But um, it's sad. It's sad I think that from, I think we won't have me, the... Yeah. You keep going, sorry. 
I'm just it's sad that we won't have the the old rivalry anymore. Um, but I, we've we've spoken about it before. But yeah, it's kind of the the DNA of supercars, which is you know something we'll have to move on from. Yeah, I think well, it's definitely going to be a change. That's for sure. I'm interested to see how the fan base reacts when it you know when it becomes you know the the inevitable reality. Mm. But I think one thing that I never realized is how bad that Mustang looks because, you know, you, you get used to it just like anything. Mm. Um, but I remember when I first saw it, I was like, man, that looks like some kind of next level monstrosity. But I do think, I do think what one thing that they've learned from the Gen 2 generation going forward is that they needed to leave a bit more room in, in the, you know, the car guidelines to accommodate different shapes um, and that was one thing that um, the old Gen 2 generation, um, you know, guidelines didn't accommodate at all. Like the roof line doesn't accommodate mm. that lower sedan look. Uh, and I think there's a lot more scope for that to, in terms of bringing in newer cars in in the future. And I think also the other another big learning point was the amount of error that they put on these cars. Yes, it you know made them able to go faster and faster around tracks like Bathurst. So I think nearly every track, um, you know, they're just able to t- carry so much cornering speed. But um, like it also, which we saw, it, we've seen it in nearly every motorsport. You put on a, a hell of a lot of downforce on for- a Formula One car, a supercar, a NASCAR. Doesn't matter what it is, it just makes it harder for the, you know, the sport in general because it's harder for everyone to follow. Um, and you get a lot more dirty air on those tyres and they just heat up a lot. And we're seeing that even in MotoGP now. So the learning points that they've taken from these cars and applied to the new Gen 3, I think are going to facilitate some really good racing, which is what I, you know, what we hoped would happen with Formula 1 and it did. And I think it's going to happen again with this because as... Um, as sad as it is, realistically, I would say this year has been, in terms of on-the-track battles, probably the, some of the the least we've seen in a long time. It's been a totally dominant season from from Triple Eight, and I think by taking a bit of the horsepower away, but also taking a lot, a lot of the um, a lot of the air away, hopefully, it's going to be the dawn of you know. If it's if it's great racing, people will forgive the fact it's not Holden and Ford. I I, I truly mm. believe, but it has to be great racing. Um, and you know we've we've had news over the last couple of weeks that teams are finally developing parts for the Gen Three. It's taking orders for the new Gen Three. Um, so it's it's definitely happening. We have an aero test which was pushed back into the start of January, but that's still happening as well. So there's not a lot of time. And we've got one event before that, but you know things are really, are really you know starting to take shape for that new generation. And I think, I think we should get a demonstration this weekend as well on the streets of Adelaide, which should be awesome, mm. really awesome. Like I'm, I'm excited. I guess uh, to hopefully see a few more teams being able to match Triple Eight. Um, I think that's been the biggest thing for the last few years, or last couple of years at least. That Gizzy's just ran away with it and it's been pretty dominant. Um, so it'll be good to see, you know, Walkinshaw's moving over to Ford. So we're going to have a few strong Ford teams um, that can hopefully take, take it to Triple Eight because 
they're on a totally different level at the moment than everyone else. Um, DJR are pretty strong, obviously, but this year they weren't that crash hot. You had, you know, Tickford, DJR and Walkinshaw who were strong at certain weekends, but they weren't consistently strong throughout the year. So um, that's what I'm looking forward to, I guess, the closer racing and hopefully a bit of a championship battle. I hope so. I really hope so. I hope that one of the... Um... At least, I think I think the the push would definitely be coming from Kim or Chaz yep. next year. You know, in the right environment, and I hope we get, and I hope we get all three of them pushing for it, not just two. But um, yeah, that's I definitely got to be the goal for the sport. But I like, think if we another, see that, sorry, we'll, we'll be going. able to. So if we see that between the three of them, I, I honestly think they're the three best drivers in the sport at the moment. In the category, yeah, yeah, and I think they'll whoever wins it, if the cars are pretty much on par, we'll be able to definitively say they're the best in this, in the category at the moment, which will be, I think it's something we all want to see really. Well, it's going to be interesting because everyone's going to be on a very level playing field. Like they, These cars have been in circulation now for so long that um, every time you go to a weekend, teams are just building either from their strength or just trying to change up from a, 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 a position of weakness, which gives the teams that have a really good setup already uh, sort of a bit of a head start, which is also, you also wonder like if you've been bad there for so long, surely just do what, you know, you haven't done before, but it's not as easy as that. Um, but one thing that was also uh, came in, was in the, was on uh, speed cafe this weekend. And uh, it's my favorite uh, motorsport, uh, website was they were talking about they were talking to Stephen Grove, the owner of Grove Racing, and he was saying because there's these cars are so fresh, the teams that have four cars or the teams that build alliances to share data are going to get such a dis- distinct advantage from the start. And I think we're going to see a lot of that from um, the Ford teams because they've got that Ford Racing banner. I'm I'm pretty sure they're going to. Um, you know, maximize that nine car sort of board racing banner to their advantage. But, you know, we've, we also have, we also have triple um, eight, which has plenty of customer uh, support teams. So I'm sure they're going to be utilizing the same, you know, support network as well with team 18 and the um, premier racing cars as well. And I think even they sell to Matt Stone. So it's going to be a very, very interesting start to the year in terms of how mm. how that all unfolds. But um, I think we'll also touch on the news that the it, it seems like the whole Boost Mobile racing push for next year seems to be over. We discussed that a couple of weeks ago. It looks like um, Boost is going to be just running a car in their three wild card wild card events, and um, probably taking the year to try and work out how they're going to attack for a position on the grid the um in the in the coming season one thing i think as well was was really interesting was is the banter that um peter addison gets involved in online with um other team owners like uh, i know ryan walkinshaw and him had a bit of a a back and forth and um pretty much what uh, ryan said and even what um Roland Dane said in his article on, I think it was Speed Cafe as well, he said, there is a way of buying wrecks and you just buy teams, uh, which was a 
um, you know, a truthful statement. He said, if you want, if you want to go racing straight away, just buy a team, just, you know, every team will have a price, just reach that price and you've got your team. And he even said, you know, it's a lot cheaper buying a team than starting a team from scratch, which is what he did. Um, so, you know, like I think all these, these little facets bode well for the sport, you know, the, the team owners having a bit of banter back and forth for us to see just adds a bit of spice and flavor, but I am interested to see as well, if he'll take the plunge and buy up one of the small teams because, you know, injecting a lot of cash into a smaller team and making it into a, you know, well-funded team bodes well for the sport as well, even though I'd like to see more cars on the grid, to be honest. Yeah. I think it shows that the sport's in a pretty strong, strong position because, you know, Formula One, there's obviously people trying to come in um, with the growth that it's had. But when you look at other forms of motorsport, you don't see people wanting to enter. You don't see people wanting to invest as much. So the fact that someone wants to enter a team and wants to invest in the sport, I think is only a good thing. I, I, I obviously would love to see extra cars on the grid, but supercars is already pretty stacked. So it's not really that. As imperative. imperative. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, now I've lost my train of thought. I was going to say something, I had something really profound to say. And then when I jumped the gun and said imperative with you, I've lost what I was going to say completely. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's right. So one thing as well I have gleaned this week is that supercars are developing their own like sort of drive to survive equivalent show, um, okay. which is, uh, which, um, realistically is a great way to introduce the sport to young fans. The distribution of it is what is important because you need to put it somewhere that isn't behind, you know, the, I think the KO paywall. Um, so, and I think they'll put it on binge because that's Foxtel's, mm. you know, streaming service, but I would, I would like to see it more readily available than that. Um, Where would you put it though? <laughs> I don't know. I would like to see it on, I would like to see it put on whatever channel they have a partnership with. So I think it's channel seven. So on like channel seven's app, I would like to see it on, I would like to see it on multiple Mm. sources, but it depends who's, who's funding it. So if you're, if Foxtel's funding it, you know, then you're pretty stuck on binge and KO. But if, if supercars themselves is funding it, you know, you can, you can position it wherever you want. And if, if you are funding it, then that is, that then, you know, the ball's in your court to, instead of maximising dollars, trying to maximise eyes. Because I think that's the, um, you know, sort of real plays for longevity at the start of this new generation. Um, like, you, yeah. you, you even see it. Like, um, I watch, I'm an Arsenal fan, as you know, and, you know, a well-timed documentary, you know, to engage with the fans, like last year's uh, All or Nothing for Arsenal, then put a good season on after that. Um, it does a lot for fans of your team and even fans of other teams just to um, to see the growth of a sport and just to share a story. So if you're sharing a good story, maximize the, the you know, the eyeballs on it. Don't maximize the dollars because the dollars initially are fleeting, but the eyeballs will come dollars in the future, you know, and fans for the future. Yeah, 100%. That's very important. We've seen what we've seen what Draft to Survive has done. Like Formula One's on another on another level at the moment. Like I saw a list yesterday. I think Melbourne was the second most attended Grand Prix of the year. The USA was after first. Coda. 
after Kota. Yeah. But we had like 419,000 people attend over the weekend. Like that is, that's unheard of. And I was just reading before an article where they've had to redo all of the seating at Albert Park for next year because I, I was general admission and it and it sucked. Like I couldn't see anything. The, the hill was packed. You had to get there right on opening to get a decent seat. Um, so I think they're rethinking the way they do it. So obviously more people are into the sport. Uh, you can see it, what, like Miami, Vegas, like all these new venues that we're putting in. So doing it, you know, binge, I think most people have either Foxtel or binge mm. in Australia. I don't, I have binge and KO. Um, but I think, you know, even doing a, a timed release a couple of weeks after the fact on YouTube might be a, a way to go as well. Cause we know the young generation watches a lot of YouTube as well. So, you know, it could be an option. I think, I think YouTube is a great idea and even not the fact that it's free, but just because there are so many eyeballs there, like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not the free aspect. It's, it's just the eyeballs. There are so many people on, on YouTube and I, yeah, like I think I watch more YouTube than I watch anything else. Um, yeah. I watch a fair bit. And like talking about the numbers, they're expecting 250,000 this weekend at the Adelaide 500. Which, when you look, when you consider it's not, it's not an opening race. It's not an F1 race. It's not Bathurst. Season's that's done. A, that's season's done. That's a massive, massive turnout, um, which I think shows why that race is so important. Um, in other news, the Sandown 500 is back, which is I think we we discussed this in our last Supercars event that the um, the drive like the the um, the co-drivers need an event or to, uh, an event to sort of warm up into the into the um, you know, the endurance season role. And I, yeah. I'm not blaming everything at the start of Bathurst on the fact that it was their first, you know, outing in force. But I think we can, you can make a few, draw a few conclusions that, yeah, it probably doesn't help when your first, you know, laps in anger in a supercar around, you know, Bathurst on a damp, wet track. Um, and I think a whole race weekend, like the Sandown 500, a relatively simple track um, to help you iron out the kinks and settle the nerves is, um, you know, will do wonders for the co-drivers. And and, and um, I think it was uh, Bruce Stewart from Walkinshaw echoed the same, the same sentiment about that event. And I think ever, like realistically anyone would say the same thing as well, but um you know, it's it's good that all these little like all these little things that we're talking about today, it's just little steps of getting the sport back to where it was before COVID, mm. rectifying a few mistakes that you know they've noticed, and you know they they're not living by those decisions and they're reverting back to it. Because um, like realistically, no one thought that getting rid of the Sandown Five Hundred was a good idea mm. at the time, but like t- for them to sort of swallow the pill and go, yeah, we um we know that that was a mistake and, you know, we're reverting back to, it, I think is a good sign that the powers that be, you know, are listening number one and are willing to change their mind. If, you know, they realize that they made the wrong, wrong decision. Just, just looking at the calendar for next year. Um, it's pretty good. There's six out of the 12 events are streamed 
or will be shown live on KO, Foxtel and Channel 7. So we've got, we start off at um, Newcastle 500 in March, yeah. which, straight, yeah. which is shown across all of them. Then we go to Melbourne, so we, obviously Albert Park, the Perth Super Sprint, the Tasmania Super Sprint, the Darwin Triple Crown, Townsville, the Sydney Super Night, OTR Super Sprint, Sandown, Bathurst, Gold Coast, and Adelaide. So it's pretty stacked calendar. And the fact that six events are shown live on Channel 7, I think, is a huge step forward. What do you you got to remember as well, I think the supercars might might be on live TV as well for on whatever um, event has the Formula One. Yep. So that'll, yeah, that'll be on as well. Yep. She's what, 10? Is F1 on 10? Uh, yes, I think so. Yep. You know, so that's, that's, it's, it's definitely half the season. And realistically, the only one I would say they might miss, like as a fan, you would probably want to have free to air that isn't is Sandown, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But, um, like most, like you think about it, most of those events are, are, are really good events. You want the start of the season race. Darwin Triple Crown is probably one of the best weekends other than one of the endurance races. We said that this year, same as Townsville. And then you have the last three events of the season, which, you know, that's where the season is up for grabs. Yeah. Um, so good decisions by 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 supercars. Um, I'm always, I always want to see a bit more than half the season. Um because I just like there have been comments about supercars was at its strongest with fans when the racing was on free to air. And yes, I understand that you can't have, you know, the money, the Foxtel money is, you know, a a lot for the sport. So having half the season, I think is a good step. Um, But, but, you know, let's try and get one or two more in the future. But, you know, I think the decisions they've made in terms of which ones they are showing that you can understand why they've done it. You know, I would yeah. I would have actually liked to see the dates as well of these events because I would like to see how how spread apart they are. Yep. But, so the um, date dates are here. Oh, is it okay? So Newcastle's in early March, so tenth yep. to twelfth of March. Then we got thirtieth of March to the second of April, which That's is right. Albert, Albert Park, and then the Perth Super Sprint is a month later. Yeah. So twenty eighth and thirtieth of April. Then we got March, May twenty May nineteen to twenty first. So then June sixteen. So they're it's fairly spread. Um, July seven to nine. July twenty eighth to thirtieth. So there's at least three weeks between each event. Looking at this, so and the season finishes up roughly around the same time as this year on the twenty third to twenty sixth of November in Adelaide. Okay. So. Yeah, mate. Pretty, pretty um, widespread there. Twelve rate, twelve events over twelve months, or this no, is, ten months. So, I'm I can't wait for for the, for this season because this this looks like the um, you know what what a season looked like before COVID. Like there's no, hmm. you know, uh, doubling up of grids or shortening events to make them easier for teams or stuff like that. You got your five hundreds that you want. I love. I love the super sprints format when it's done right, like as as in the super night. Uh, there's only one of them next year, so it's going to make the Sydney event all the more special. Um, and you know, I think I think if we get what we what we're promised about these cars, it's going to be a top event. 
Mm. Uh, what are you looking forward to this week with the Supercars H? Other than um, the streets of Adelaide again? I think it'd be good to see Chaz and Cam um, put up a fight this week just to finish the season off strong. Yeah. Um, take some momentum into next year, even though the cars are changing, you know, just to build the confidence. Um, don't want to see Triple Eight and Gizzy run away with it. That's what's been happening fairly often this year. So it'll be good to see some some really good racing between the three of them because thinking back to Bathurst, the Chaz and um, SVG kind of battle in the last 20, 30 laps or whatever it was, was some pretty epic racing. So some more of that, please. What about yourself? Um, well, I think realistically that's exactly what I want to see. I just want to – like Adelaide facilitates some really good racing and some really good overtaking. So I just want to – I just hope that the races aren't marred in like like a lot of like stupid shit, like stupid crashes and stuff yeah. that make it look pedestrian. Um, street because, street circuits always put up that sort of stuff though, right? They do, but I think Adelaide usually is the one that puts up some of the best racing because it's so wide mm. um, being an old F1 track. Take it back. Um, oh, it's a f- – it's a phenomenal track. Like when you think about the street tracks we have in this country, that there is no doubt that that is the best one because it just fits. It's like, it's like the width of an actual, you know, road course mm. on the streets. And then the shape of it as well is so good for, is so good for racing. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like, you know, pre like it's just been made out of streets. It feels like a proper track. And then the back, the long back straight is, is 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 phenomenal. Um, so I just hope it doesn't isn't marred with. Like, I understand you get crashes, but I don't want like pedestrian mm. crashes. Um, sort of like the start of how the start of Bathurst was. I don't really want to see that. Um, and I just hope that we get races that, um, really farewell this you know generation in style. As sort of lame as that might sound, like I just think. You don't want it to, to be a 40, you know, a long 30 second lead by the end of the race. You know, you want something that's close and comes down to good decisions and strategy, which having said that, that has been a staple this year. There hasn't been many like crazy runaway wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I would like to see t- uh, Walkinshaw and uh, Triple Eight both get a win this weekend, to be honest. Because I'm a sucker for a, for a throwback livery. And, um, you know, like for any other reason, just let's see the, the throwbacks on the, on the top step. Yeah. I would prefer as well walking George to get the last one just for a bit more bragging rights, but that's totally biased of me. I'm a walking short fan too. How do you feel about them moving to Ford next year? Just, just on, as a side note. Um, it feels, it still feels weird. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think as well because Holden, like Holden, everyone knows like how close Holden was linked to General Motors, and the, you know the whole fact that they shared you know LS engines and all that kind of stuff. So you know that real like if you were going to choose one, you would think uh, you would feel I, I would have felt more comfortable following them as a GM rather than as a Ford, but I do think. Um, the rationale behind the decision makes a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, they, they, the way that the AAA is supplying the cars, the Holden cars next year, they just don't believe that 
it is in their best interest for that. Like you can't beat over a long run the team that's applying you to gear. Um, mm. And I think that like realistically probably is right. So for them to align themselves with um, yeah, Ford Racing, it's a massive decision. I think as well it takes a lot of the pressure off um, the organisation as a whole, like that whole Holden pressure. And like if it's if it's successful, it will be a decision that, um, like I know Ryan Walkinshaw has like people see him differently. Like some people can't look past his sort of young playboy kind of vibe he used to give off a couple of years ago. But I think he's become a very astute businessman. Like even the way you listen to him talk about it, he's really grown into the role. And this decision will, will if it's successful, I think solidify, you know, his, his impact on his father's team and his, and, you know, he's adding to the legacy of the Walkinshaw name. So like, I, I just, man, I just want to see us win a championship. I've seen us win at Bathurst recently. We need to take the next step and win a championship. And I do believe that this decision will get us the closest to achieving that. With a driver like Chaz mm. um, and the money that Ford is putting behind it as well, and then the, the prowess and, and, you know, the, the momentum that Walkinshaw have slowly been gathering, I think it does bode for them the best chance for them to get a get a championship does does the fact that they'll have a blue oval on the side of the car matter to you or will you continue wholeheartedly supporting Walkinshaw? i go for Walkinshaw. yeah okay like i don't i don't i don't go for, i i go for holden but mm. now that holden doesn't exist i wholeheartedly go for Walkinshaw. if they were driving vws i'd still be going for Walkinshaw as much as i would hope they would never make such a stupid decision um, you don't want to see any I mean, Passats on the on the on the grid, mate. I would I would actually like to see a Passat on the grid, to be honest. I would like to see a third option. I think they're a pretty schmick looking car. I reckon give them a wide body kit and a nice rear wing. It look it looks sick. <laughs> I'm open minded. Yeah, look, I'd like to see anything on the car, but it still I'm feels like, very weird. It still feels very. I've been holding fan my whole life. Um, Always bagged out Fords. Um, like I still bag your brother out, Michael, about driving a <laughs> driving a Ford. So is one day. But it's um it's one of those things, right? Here's the thing. When 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 it when it comes to it, do you think you'll be able to follow the blue badge on the side? Is it gonna mess you up, mess your psyche up? It's just playing with my head because growing up my whole life I've disliked Fords, but you know. You know, the day it happened, I when I saw my dad on the same day it happened, like not to discuss that at all, just happened to happen. Mm. And he said, I need to talk to you. And I was like, <laughs> all right. And he sat me down and he goes, how are you feeling? And I was like, fine. And he goes, you're fine. I go, he goes, what do you mean? I said, I'm fine. And he goes, did you hear the news? I was like, yeah. I go, no. I said, what news? And he goes, about Walkinshaw. And I said, what, you're sitting me down to check if I'm fine about my racing team? Like, he goes, yeah. He goes, I'm crushed. He goes, I don't know how to feel. Oh, Steve's um, a holding man. Steve is a holding man. Oh, I love it. Um, so, and like, there's a lot of people I, I, I know will definitely be feeling that way. Mm. And I think we discussed this a couple of months ago. But for me, I just want to see that that, that walk and draw team 
back where I believe they belong. Um, and you know, I'll do it by hook or by crook. By uh, <laughs> if, if we if we if we buy a championship, I'm there. Just let's let's get it done. Do you think they'll they'll have um, some serious competition in Tickford? Because I, I think Tickford will be strong next year, especially with Cam. I think it's going to be interesting because they're sharing the same platform and they're going to be somewhat sharing data, I would, I would believe. Yeah. I I believe that, that Walkinshaw is a stronger team than Tickford in terms of um, engineering and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I think, like, the thing is Cam and Chaz do the same thing for either team. They get the absolute most out of out of the car. And I think in some ways they elevate what the team is because they're just so, so talented. Yeah. Um, and I think for them, the most important thing for both teams is going to be how they react to the fact that they're running the same platform as Dick Johnson racing now, who I would say is the best team out of the three in terms of how, to, in terms of how the teams are built up and how they perform. I just think, they don't have, you know, that get out of jail free card that the two uh, that Kim and Chaz bring to the bring to the um, table. Like I, I believe that if any one of those two drivers was in a triple eight, uh, was in a Dick Johnson racing car, you would have a very very close championship because I think do the you, car is is better, but the drivers are better than the other two teams. Do you see DJR making a move for someone in the next year or so? Because obviously I can't see Davison hanging around forever, even though he had a really good season for, for him. Anton was a bit underwhelming, I think. Um, do you think they make a move for one of the big names? Um, I think in terms of Chaz and Cam, the ball is always going to be in the court of, you know, what teams they're in and just keeping them on, you know, lucrative long contracts and just always um, – you know, not giving them the time to even have to consider it. There are some drivers on the grid I think would be very tempting other than them two for um, for Dick Johnson Racing. Like when I see Brody Kostecki and Will Brown at Erebus, like that just to me scream, that they both do scream like proper racer. Um, you know, the ability to get the elbows out, defend like demons, and then when they've got the um, sort of speed in the car, really you know attack and 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 push forward uh like that that's the sort of the energy and the vibe that i don't get out i, I don't always feel out of anton like anton feels like when he's, when he's on his day really fast will will get your win but when he's not on his day I, he doesn't seem to mm. get the absolute most out of the car um but i, I think kesteki especially makes his elbows so wide and makes himself so hard to overtake. I think if you keep Anton, that would be the next driver to pair him with someone really, really hard to overtake and, you know, a, a bit, bit of a bit of a demon. Do, do, you know who I've been really surprised by this season? Um, who's done really, really well. Golding. He came in late. Um, obviously, that, that team's in, it was in its infancy first year since... Shibras took over and I think Golding's done a really good job. Like he was, you know, he was running quite high. It wasn't Bathurst. Was it Gold, Gold Coast or the Gold whatever Coast it was? Before his accident, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was running really high. Um, I think the He's guy's been, done, done an awesome job. 
he's looked really good at most of the events he's been at. There hasn't been one where there hasn't been a moment of, oh, he's looking really good this week. For me, though, like it is going to come down to for him staying out of incidents. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's had a few of them this year, though, in the short time he's had. And, yeah, he's come in sort of late. Um, and he's been, you know, he's, he'll be there next year for the start of the season at least. Uh, and I, I do think he's shown enough to, to you know, deserve that seat. Like you can really tell that he's a supercars racer. Like, yeah, he's good in the, mm. in the uh, what are they, super formula, not super formula, the F5000. S5000, yeah. You know, he's, he's literally gone back into supercars after a couple of years off and he's fit in like a glove. But he will need to, um, I think, stay clean for most of the year. Uh, like he's been a revelation and, and I think there's even been like Heimgartner we've known has been good for a couple of years, but he has been so good in that Brad Jones car. He's been very unfortunate, but he's got a couple of wins this year. I think as well, sort of how Perkat was before this year with Walkinshaw, like how good he looked in that team. Um, he's, he's looked the same and it's, it just baffles me that that, that team always has one really good car. And then three that just don't look competitive at all. Um, yeah, that was going to be my next question. Percat has another underwhelming season. Where does what happens at Walkinshaw? He'll be gone. He's only got a two-year contract. Okay. Um, will he have another underwhelming season? I don't. I don't know. Like for me, I had so I was so excited when he came because I, you know, he's he's a good racer. I just don't know what it hasn't gelled. With him this year, but I, I, I do believe that he will come. Like he, his second half of the year has been a lot better than the start of the year, um, and I would not be surprised if he has a good um, event this week and that is home race. But yeah, like realistically, the season he's had is unacceptable for walking for for the like a team of Walkinshaw's status and where they want to go. And I think he knows that himself, to be honest. Like he's been part of that team before. Yep. And um, I, th- I don't think Ryan will be sort of mincing his words either. Like realistically, it's unacceptable. I just hope that the team around him next year in terms of the engineer and all that is set and they can hit the ground running. But I would, I would be very surprised if he had a, a disappointing season like this year again. Like this is, this is totally off, off his oh. trajectory. Um, dude, I was, I was, I said at the start of this year that they will win the team's championship. He's so good as a, as a driver and I've, he's not even in the top 10. No, and he's qualifying well below Chaz. And I, I guess like you must think I'm a loony tune No, yes. in hindsight. Look, it happens. Like look at DR didn't gel with the McLaren. Like maybe there's something with the walking shore that he just can't get his head around. But definitely could be, you know, next year, different car, different aero, different everything. everything. So, you know, he might hit the ground running. You never know. Let's hope so. So, well, the event is on this weekend. It's the final one. So it'll be good to good to close out the season. Hopefully we get some awesome racing. Um, do you have any predictions? Um, I'm going to predict that. SGV wins the weekend. You know what? No, fuck that. Chaz is going to win the weekend. And I think there'll be a um, double 
Chaz, S, uh, sorry, triple Chaz, SGV, and uh, Cam on the podium twice, whatever order that is. I don't know. That's my prediction. Well, I think that'll spice things up over the weekend. Um, hopefully with Chaz on the top step, to be honest. But um, looking forward to it, mate. We won't be potting next week, everyone. We'll be taking a week off or so. Um, we will be doing a a year on review of Formula One, supercars, all, all the stuff that we that we discuss. Not sure about Indy. It's been a while since Indy finished up, so we'll see how we go I, with that. I one. don't remember what the fuck happened to Indy. <laughs> I just remember <laughs> it was great racing, and that's about it. And we'll power on the championship. But um, yeah, we'll definitely be coming, and we'll we'll be doing similar things to last year, like our favorite helmets of the year, our favorite races, all that kind of stuff. And um, so yeah, that's what's to come for the rest of 2022. Joe. Thanks for getting on, mate. Um, always a pleasure. Thank you very much, mate. Same. And, uh, guys, Until next time. That's right. As we as we say, keep liking, subscribing, clicking download, all that kind of thing, and uh, we will catch you before the before the year's out for our final episode of 2022. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. <laughs>